Hey, thank you for listening to the Garverar Show. Each episode, we provide quality sports discussions from a diverse group of perspectives. Tune in every week to hear us talking about your favorite topics. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Garverora Show. My name is Yori and these are today's conversations. The Eagles bounce back win against the Buffalo Bills, this Sunday's matchup preview against the Chicago Bears, division drama, and who is the front runner for NFL MVP. We'll talk about all of that, but first, the trade deadline just expired a few hours ago, and for the past two days, I've been reloading Adam Schefter's Twitter, waiting for the Eagles to make a move, and nothing. I mean, Garv, what's your reaction to how we not pulling the trigger? Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. I'm so shocked that Howie Roseman didn't make a trade here because we know what the Eagles are lacking. Look, we know the Eagles are thin at corner. We know at wide receiver after wide receiver one and wide receiver two and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, it gets pretty thin. So what are you doing? I mean, you see these star caliber players or at least good quality players go on the market. I mean, a few of them being Leonard Williams, Michael Bennett, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, um, uh, who I mentioned, but keep to leave uh, on that other end. And it's just like... These are star players going in the market, and you didn't get any of them. And that's unbelievable. You got to be honest with the fans here. If you're in win-now mode, what you do is you make that trade. We saw it in 2017. We saw them get uh, Jay Ajayi from the Miami Dolphins. They knew they were thin at running back, and they needed one more piece to that three-punch duo. And on top of that, we saw in 2018, they felt like they needed to get Golden Tate. Look, I at least credit Howie for making that move because at wide receiver, they were pretty thin, right? So uh, to make that move and to at least give yourself a chance, you're not giving yourself a chance with this current roster. I'm telling you, the secondary is abysmal. They get beat over the top by everybody. I don't know how you can look at that secondary and say, we are fine based on this year for where we're at. That only tells me that this is a future plan and he's not looking at win all now mode. I mean, if you were the GM, what moves would you have made? Well, I would have definitely went with either Darius Slay from the Lions. Look, we know the Eagles were interested there. Howie Roseman approached them, uh, according to sources, that he was interested in pursuing for Darius Slay for possibly Nelson Aguilar in a pick. I would put that pick value at third round, you know, not higher. But at the same time, for what you've seen on the market, you could have definitely made a trade here. And I know the Lions could have been asking a lot for Darius Slay, but let's at least look at Jalen Ramsey. I mean, in terms of trades for a superstar caliber player, this is nothing. A 2020 first round pick, a 2021 first round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. That's it! Are you kidding me? Three picks, and two of them being your next two years, but who cares? Jalen Ramsey is on your team, a shutdown corner, and the Rams know what they can do with their D-line now. They can just afford to blitz, 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 and have that guy be man-on-man with whoever is starting at the outside wide receiver spot. I just can't believe that Howie didn't make a trade. I mean, 
even with the wide receivers, you saw Emmanuel Sanders go, and Emmanuel Sanders went for super cheap uh, compared to what I valued him as, and Mohamed Sanu was overpriced in my opinion, but still, Mohamed Sanu is really good, and Mohamed Sanu, honestly, might be better than Deshaun Jackson. Right now, as an outside receiver, yeah, Mohamed Sanu is an overall better talent. Deshaun Jackson's a one-trick pony, we know that, and Deshaun Jackson's a zero-trick pony right now because he's not even playing on the field. So you need to make a trade, and even if you overpaid for somebody, in my opinion, it's better to overpay than to look like the loser here and to stay right where you've been, and that's kinda right below, you know, average and right above mediocre. Well, moving on. The Eagles went on the road this Sunday and snapped a two-game losing streak. They scored 31 points against the Buffalo defense, combining for 390 yards on offense and four touchdowns. Josh Allen and the Bills combined for a total of 267 yards, two touchdowns, and three fumbles. The Eagles came into their third straight road game after two blowout losses and off-field distractions, not to mention facing a top-three Bills defense in rainy and windy conditions. And a lot of people have referred to Sunday's win as the turning point of the season. Garb, what was the best thing to come out of this win for this Eagles team? The best thing to come out of this game for me was the return of the run game. I mean, Jordan Howard is being used as a running back he should be used as, which is a first and second down back. 23 rushing attempts, 96 yards. Myon Sanders even, you saw that huge run. Uh, that was the longest run, by the way, a 65-yard rushing touchdown. That was the longest Eagles rushing touchdown since 2013. And not by LaShawn McCoy, but by a guy named Bryce Brown, who I'm not going to even talk about any further. So they were, <laughs> it was a great job by the Eagles running game. And then Wentz even on the ground was effective, eight rushing attempts for 35 yards, and the receiving game. Alshon Jeffrey, the lead receiver, four receptions, 64 yards. Miles Sanders gets included in that game too, three receptions, 44 yards. I will like to see uh, Doug mix in the tight ends more because Dallas Goddard, a, that touchdown was great, but only three receptions, and so is Ertz, two receptions only. So, exactly. So, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, we thought going into the season they were going to use a lot of those two tight tight end sets and take advantage, especially with the running backs they have in the backfield. And I'm still a little weary about that because they're not throwing to those tight ends at all. But Wentz, 17 of 24, 172 yards, one touchdown pass. Uh, Boston Scott even came in and, you know, that fumble was, uh, that was abysmal. But that touchdown also was good by him. Uh, hopefully he can develop to be that third back because right now after Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, you don't really have anybody as a third back. When that offense is hot, it's hot. And in 22 consecutive games when scoring 25 plus points, the Eagles have won. That's a real statistic, Yori. And the fact is, is that when Doug Peterson is being smart, he's playing aggressive when he needs to play aggressive, and he's not making these dumb decisions, then the Eagles are winning football games. And that's something, honestly, all year we haven't seen on a consistent level. And then, defensively, how about Jim Schwartz and that defense? They allowed only 13 points. I know you can say Josh Allen is still a rookie despite playing well and all of that stuff, but 
Then again, four sacks, Brandon Graham had a monstrous game. And it's just, to me, when you have that type of performance, honestly, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the 2017 Brandon Graham, just based on that one performance. And that opens up the room for so many other players to do their thing. Fletcher Cox gets a bit more loose. He had one and a half sacks. Everybody else gets a bit more loose. The cornerbacks can afford to bite just a bit more because they know they don't have to get deep every play. So... It's just a great combination when all those phases are clicking on how good a football team can perform. And look, you can talk about Buffalo being 5-1 and and they're a great team, or you can also look at it from the vantage point that Buffalo has played subpar teams. But either way, this is how you win in the National Football League, and you need this consistency to deem yourself as a contender in this National Football Conference, especially in the NFC. I mean, it's just... It's insane how different it is in the world of the AFC because in the NFC, it's like a coin flip. Anybody can really come out here. If the Eagles catch on fire, you know, like I said all, all the time in previous years, and we saw it in 2017 too, but you need that momentum going into the playoff push. So December, when you get hot, you can be hot as a wild card team and you can still go on to the NFC championship because it's just that momentum. We've seen it in 2008 even against the Eagles playing the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC championship. So it can happen. The Eagles can very much win this division. I mean, they're only half a game behind Dallas. They just need to keep consistently showing up because they have very tough teams coming up. Chicago, you know, they have their problems, but their defense is elite. And then you're playing New England, and then you're playing Seattle. So it doesn't get easier from here. You just mentioned the Bears, so let's focus on next week's matchup against the Chicago Bears. They're definitely going through some stuff. I mean, they have offensive problems all around, and they've lost three games in a row with the last two being at home. Now they sit in the last place of the NFC North with the record of 3-4. and four. We know they have an elite defense, but it seems like their offense does not reward their defensive work. And Garv, what can the Eagles expect from this Chicago team? Yeah, well, Mitchell Trubisky and that Chicago offense is not going to cut it. I mean, in terms of yards, they are 30th in the National Football League. That offense is really bad in Chicago. You said it, their defense is just getting blasted because their defense is playing so well, but at the same time, they have no support from the other two phases, which is offense and special teams. I think this is going to be a defensive game because Philadelphia on offense, as we know, has some problems. Deshaun Jackson could play, which, you know, would open up that field a lot more but Khalil Mack he is insane he is as bad as they come and Carson Wentz is gonna have a tough time especially this offensive line if they cannot contain him the other thing here though to note is that as I said Chicago 30th and passing offense but the Eagles aren't far off they're 18th and that's not too much better you know that's starting to get below bottom of the pack so what you have to do here is you have to win through football fundamentals, which is winning through the trenches, controlling the run game, and who can cause the most turnovers 
turnovers defensively because Mitchell Trubisky, Carson Wentz, if they cough off the football, you're going to have a low percentage chance of winning this game. That's just how it is with these two defenses on the field. It's going to be a slugfest, I think, but Chicago's defense, they're a given. They're going to show up. Philadelphia's defense has to do the same, and then smart play calling by Doug and Jim. That's going to come down to who wins this football game. All right, let's transition into division drama where we analyze the most intriguing divisions in the National Football League, and in this week's edition of Division Drama, we're discussing the AFC South. Listen to this. Last Sunday, every team in this division won. J.J. Watt is out for the season. Colts are on a three-win streak. Gardner Minshew threw for 274 yards and three touchdowns. And Ryan Tannehill has won two of his last three games as a starting quarterback. Now, Garv, in your opinion, who is your front runner to win this division right now? The Houston Texans is my pick for winning this division. Look, on paper at least, this is the best team in the division. And last week, you could see it against Oakland. Deshaun Watson, the way he played three touchdown passes, 279 yards, great performance. Did you see that sack he broke out of? Oh my God. I mean, the only ones that can do that in the National Football League is like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And Deshaun Watson did it with ease. He looked incredible out there. You throw in uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. You have a good running game. Then on defense, uh, you just mentioned J.J. Watt's out, but that defense, let alone, you know, J.J. Watt, they're still very good by themselves. This is the best team in the AFC South. And you know what? The Colts, Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton's there for him. But who else? Nobody else besides T.Y. Hilton. Then you see the Titans. I mean, geez, if you think the Titans are winning that division, you know, they just won. But still, they're not winning anything besides a couple of football games. And then Jacksonville just traded their best player. So... Are we really going to say Jacksonville is going to make a comeback effort? I mean, it's between Houston and Indy, and they still have to play the season, um, you know, again. And it's, for me right now, it's Houston, because Houston, at least on paper, is a better team. All right, let's go into the MVP. Garv, we've seen a lot of amazing performances by a lot of great players. Who is your MVP if the season were to end today? For me, it's definitely between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Look, we've seen it. Aaron Rodgers is playing lights out. You saw that Kansas City game, right? It was unbelievable. That circus throw to, you know, his backup running back in the back of the end zone over Jimmy Grant. I don't even know how that's possible. You're witnessing greatness there. But Russell Wilson right now is probably my pick. And it's because Aaron Rodgers, he started a little slow this season. I mean, that Chicago game, granted being first game of the year, you saw that slow start. And there were concerns with the Packers offense. Now, obviously, those concerns kind of just went away. But Russell Wilson has been playing, besides that one Baltimore game that was on October 20th, he's been playing lights out. I mean... You know, he has 17 touchdowns, one interception, as opposed to Rodgers' 16-2 to ratio. And right now, Wilson, 115.5 rating. He is playing lights out. Russell Wilson right now is playing as good as a game-changing quarterback can. Let me tell you the definition of what Russell Wilson is right now to the Seattle Seahawks. 
he, being on the field, gives you the chance alone of winning that football game. Offensively, when he's on the field, he can make things happen that no other quarterback can. He's playing lights out football. I'll give him the slight hair advantage over Aaron Rodgers right now. Well, let me tell you about my MVP, okay? My MVP pick has to be Deshaun Watson. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I mean, you watched that last game. I mean, he avoided a sack, got kicked in the face, and still threw a touchdown. I mean, this guy is, is doing everything he can despite being the most sacked quarterback in the league. And he's being compared to Jordan, and he always makes something out of nothing. And I truly believe that he is the most valuable player. And I, I think we're going to see him get tested Wrong. now that J.J.'s out and his offense has to work a little harder. But, you know, Watson for MVP, man. Nope, that's wrong. Oh, I don't care what you... That's wrong. What are you talking about? Here we go. Like, the whole world is singing Deshaun Watson's praises. Oh, Deshaun for MVP. I'd rather put Christian McCaffrey over him right now. Christian McCaffrey is performing very well. He is a running back. He's over a quarterback right now. Deshaun Watson isn't on Wilson's and Rodgers' level. The fact that you think he's higher than them is a disgrace. <laughs> This is shame. Shame on you. Why are you even co-hosting this show? If I knew you were going to make that take, you wouldn't be on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go into our awards of the week, where each week we give out awards to people who truly never fail to disappoint. Our first award is called Soon to Announce His Retirement. And this goes to Akib Talib after being traded to the Dolphins. We expect an announcement shortly. The second award is called forgetting to show up. This award goes to the Carolina Panthers as they said they wanted all the smoke, but they let the 49ers drop 51 points on them. Bring Cam Newton back. (laughs) (laughs) And our last award here, I'm going to give it to John Collins because he got dunked on by Joel Embiid and shimmied right afterwards. Can we play that audio from NBC Sports Philadelphia for a second? That he's good enough. Embiid rolling and he slams for two in the face of John Collins. I mean, that's just, uh, Jesus. Can you imagine being him? (laughs) That's unfortunate. But hear us talking more about that in the NBA on Thursday. And on that note, thank you for listening to the Garverora Show. We'll be back Thursday, as I just said, with Casey. He'll be joining us to talk about the World Series and what's going on in the NBA. And then join us next week as we also have, you know, some new episodes coming out. And that Charles Dubray's interview is coming very soon. So stay tuned for that. That. All right, guys, thanks for listening and take care. Peace.